Before you listen to this episode, I have to make a quick note on the audio. In the background of some of this recording, you will hear a sound that almost sounds like birds chirping or some such thing. We currently have puppies in my house, and they are quite noisy. But I didn't want to have to discard and re-record this entire thing just because of a little bit of background noise, so please try to ignore it. Welcome to Butterflies and Incantations, a podcast about all things weird and magical. I'm your host, Vanessa. Do what thou wilt should be the whole of the law. This episode is a reading of my blog post entitled Wicca, the oft ungrateful child of the Lima. Then will I breed from her a child mightier than all the kings of the earth. Liberal Valegis, chapter 3, verse 45. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Wicca's Origins Gardener's Wicca descends inarguably from Crowley's the Lima. There are a great number of people who seem to be uncomfortable with the relationship of Wicca to Thelema. It is no secret that Gardener's Wicca borrowed a significant amount of its material from Thelema, inasmuch as it is no secret that Crowley's Thelema borrowed a significant amount of his material from the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Suffice to say, Gerald Gardner was a Thelemite to some degree first, and it was only after Aleister Crowley's death that he left Thelema to start Wicca. It therefore should be no great surprise that one can find Thelemic influences and structure in Gardner's Wicca, if you know where to look. As much as many Wiccans, and some Thelemites I'm sure, may not like it, Wicca is, in fact, a Thelemic offspring in the same way that Protestantism is the offspring of Catholicism. It would therefore not be incorrect to call Wicca Protestant Thelema if one felt like being particularly cheeky, though Gardner never nailed a 93 thesis to the door of an OTO. I have had it argued to me by particularly dishonest Wiccans that Aleister Crowley got it from Gardner, but the dates of publication, the simple fact that Crowley was Gardner's senior, can quickly debunk this baseless assertion. There is other evidence to this fact to be found elsewhere, but I won't dwell too long on this point. If one examples Wicca, understanding the importance of Liber Alvelagis and the Kabbalah, the structure and relation becomes readily apparent. While this is a topic that has been covered at length before by others, I find it useful to reiterate in this form, if only to satisfy my own frustration, as well as I hope that recognizing this, Wiccans may view their Thelemic siblings with more respect and likewise in return. They are both new Aeon religions, after all, and many Thelemites cite having started their magical path with some form of Wicca. On the text of the Gardnerian Book of Shadows Firstly, and most easily established, is the grade structure comes directly from Liber 2.20. Who calls us Thelemites will do no wrong if he look but close into the word, for there are therein three grades, the hermit, and the lover, and the man of the earth. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Liberal Valagius, chapter 1, verse 40. Wicca possesses a threefold grade structure, sometimes referred to as a degree or admittance, more or less matching the, that described in the quote above. Crowley broke these grades up into smaller component degrees for each grade, but nevertheless the structure remains in both the Astra and Argon and the Mysteria Mystica Maxima, 
Wicca also has a predationary period of a year and a day before one can take their first initiation. This directly mirrors the student phase of the Astra and Argon, though the details differ. Now things start getting interesting when we examine the text and the teachings as described. I will go through the entire Gardnerian Book of Shadows and comment thereupon. Firstly, let's examine Wiccan texts starting with Gardner's own. The Gardnerian Book of Shadows is quite short, and there may well be details in his personal copy not found in the publicly available one. As that book has not been published in any form, I'll have to go with what I can, the available publication. Let's start with some direct textual parallels. For the sake of simplicity, I shall henceforth identify the Gardnerian Book of Shadows as GBOS and Liber Alvalagis as Liber 220, with quotes in the usual format. Note, for the sake of this audio version, I will refer to the Gardnerian Book of Shadows as such, but I will be truncating Liber Alvalagis to Liber 220. As I imagine it will be for you, I find these a very clear case of simply rewording and paraphrasing parts of Libra 220, and in many cases venturing into outright plagiarism. We shall skip the initial casting of the circle for now. The first block of examples are all pulled from the section in the Gardnerian Book of Shadows entitled, The Charge, Lift Up the Veil. In her eyes shall burn with desire as she stands bare and rejoicing in my secret temple. Libra 2.20, Chapter 1, Verse 62 Ye shall stand naked in your rights, both men and women. Gardnerian Book of Shadows If under the night stars in the desert thou presently burnest my incense before me, invoking me your heart, and the serpent flame therein, thou shalt come a little to lie in my bosom. For one kiss wilt thou be willing to give all. But whoso gives one particle of dust shall lose all in that hour. Ye shall gather goods and store of women and spices. Ye shall wear rich jewels. Ye shall exceed the nations of the earth in splendor and pride, but always in the love of me. Libra 2.20, Chapter 1, Verse 61. And ye shall dance, sing feast, make music and love, all in my days. Gardnerian Book of Shadows. I am above you and in you. My ecstasy is in yours. My joy is to see your joy. Libra 2.20, Chapter 1, Verse 13 To me! To me! Libra 2.20, Chapter 1, Verse 65 Let ecstasy be mine, and joy on earth even unto me, to me, for I am a gracious goddess. Gardnerian Book of Shadows there is a secret door that I shall make to establish thy way in all the quarters. Libra 2.20, Chapter 3, Verse 38 There is a secret door that I have made to establish the way to taste even on earth the elixir of immortality. Gardnerian Book of Shadows I give unimaginable joys on earth, certainty, not faith, while in life, upon death, peace unutterable, rest, ecstasy, nor do I mand aught in sacrifice. Libra 2 Choni, Chapter 1, Verse 58 I give unimaginable joys on earth, certainty, not faith, while in life, and upon death, peace unutterable, rest, and ecstasy, nor do I demand aught in sacrifice. It is of importance to note here that in the written copy, the text is only differentiated by minor edits, mostly in 
the form of punctuation. I charge you earnestly to come before me in a single row, and covered with a rich headdress. I love you. I yearn to you, pale or purple, veiled or voluptuous. I, who am all pleasure and purple, and drunkenness of the innermost sense, desire you. Put on the wings, and arouse the coiled splendor with come unto me. Liber 2.20, Chapter 1, Verse 61 I love you, I yearn for you, pale or purple, veiled or voluptuous. I am all pleasure, and purple and drunkenness of the innermost senses. Desire you, put on the wings, arouse the coiled splendor within you. Come unto me. Gardnerian Book of Shadows I am the flame that burns in every heart of man, in the core of every star. Lever 2.20, Chapter 2, Verse 6 for I am the flame that burns in the heart of every man, and the core of every star. Gardnerian Book of Shadows Let the rituals be rightly performed with joy and beauty. Liber 2.20, Chapter 2, Verse 35 Let the rituals be rightly performed with joy and beauty. Gardnerian Book of Shadows it is of note here in the audio version that the only difference between two, those two versions of the text is the use of an ampersand instead of the word and. Beauty and strength, leaving laughter and delicious languor, force and fire are of us. Liber 2.20, Chapter 2, Verse 20 So let there be beauty and strength, leaping laughter, for and fire, by within you. Gardnerian Book of Shadows Again, I would like to reiterate that the above examples are all pulled from a single entry in the Gardnerian Book of Shadows. Just two pages, and we have that much to compare. This is no accident. The next section of the published Gardnerian Book of Shadows are three initiation rituals. It would be improper to comment on them. The published version of the Gardnerian Book of Shadows includes them, but I wish it did not. Even as I am not Wiccan, I have respect for oaths and the need for secrecy in any order, and do not condone the propagation of such secrets to the uninitiated. There is a quick bit about the cakes and wine. It doesn't go into detail, but this of course parallels the Gnostic Mass's cakes of light and wine, which in turn, of course, borrows from the Eucharist from Christianity. The details and symbolism differs in all cases, but such Minutia has been covered by other writers much better than I, so I don't have much to add. After this, the next section covers the Sabbat rituals, and there are yet more comparisons to make. In the first such described, their November Eve ritual, it opens with what it calls the witch chant or dance. This is the recitation of the passage called Eco Eco, named after its first line. It is of note that nobody seems to know what any of it is supposed to mean, as far as I can tell. Not much further down is the instruction that the priestess should assume the goddess position. It's not described in the text, but one can easily find it elsewhere. This position is simply renaming of the sign of Typhon. Image person in a ritual robe assuming the sign of Typhon, with arms outstretched in a U-shape above the head. Not long after, the instruction is made for the priest to assume the god position. Again, we see a rename for a thelemic sign, in this case the sign of Osiris risen. Image, a figure in a ritual robe making the sign of Osiris risen, with arms crossed on the chest. 
These signs are common enough in material of the profane that it's not that important, but it is worth noting since we're describing all the ways Gardener's Wicca descends from the Lima. They may well come from upstream in the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, but I am less informed on such matters. We then have the invocation for the priestess. Immediately we see parallel text as before. I am life, and the giver of life, yet therefore is the knowledge of me the knowledge of death. Liber 2.20, chapter 2, verse 6. Dread Lord of the Shadows, God of life and the giver of life, yet is the knowledge of thee the knowledge of death. Gardnerian Book of Shadows. The second sabbat given is February Eve. Again, many of the above notes apply, including similar wording. Here we have another spoken invocation. This text also borrows from Liber 15, the Gnostic Mass. And in one father of life, mystery of mystery, in his name, Chaos, the sole vice-regent of the sun upon the earth. Liber 15. Encourage our hearts, let thy light crystallize itself in our blood, fulfilling us of resurrection. Liber 15. There is no part of me that is not. Again, Liber 15. Dread Lord of death and resurrection, life and the giver of life, Lord within ourselves, whose name is mystery of mysteries. Encourage our hearts, let the light crystallize in our blood, fulfilling us of resurrection, for as there is no part of us that is not of the gods. Gardnerian Book of Shadows the final two sabbats given are May Eve and August Eve. In terms of connections to Thelema, there's not really anything of note beyond that which is already noted above. I am unsure of the origins of the invocation, but they are seemingly not Thelemic. They appear very folksy and maybe wholly original. Note, at the time that I wrote this in particular blog post, I had not read into the seasonal rituals of Thelema. I have since read the, some of them, but I have nothing further to note at this point. This section on chants is short, and I have only one note. The described chant of IAU and its other permutation is a phonetic example of the IAO formula used heavily in Thelemic text. It was borrowed originally from the Christian Gnostics as far as I can tell. The rest of the chants appear similar to the barbarous names found in the Bornless ritual and in turn from the Stele of Jew found in the Papyri Greke Magicae or Greek Magical Papyri. The sections titled To Help the Sick and The Scourge and the Kiss are not of much interest sans the reference it makes to the material already covered above. This section titled The Priestess and the Sword is rather sexist but otherwise wholly unremarkable in this context. The warning and of the ordeal of the art magical are much the same. Now we have the Eightfold Way, which is immediately notable in that its title is almost certainly in reference to the Noble Eightfold Path of Buddhism, though its contents are not particularly related. It is otherwise unremarkable. Though the text continues, I don't really have anything to say of note in this context, and seem either to be wholly original or taken from non-thelemic sources of which I have not read. Wicca and the Kabbalah 
The Kabbalah we will be discussing in this section comes from Thelemic and Thelemic adjacent sources. I am not Jewish, and I don't pretend to have knowledge of the form of mystic Judaism that the Kabbalah descends from. This is Hermetic Kabbalah, as I understand it. Much could be said about the details of this distinction, but that's not relevant to the topic at hand, beyond here as noted. This is the point where I branch out into other Wiccan sources I have at my disposal. These do not necessarily reflect the beliefs and content of Gardnerian Wicca, but in my experience, such covens are few and far between. I know next to nothing about Alexandrian Wicca, so I have nothing to say on that topic. In any case, most people I meet claiming the religion Wicca practice eclectic, or American traditionalist Wicca. For this, I will be focusing on the text of Cunningham's Book of Shadows and Buckland's Complete Book of Witchcraft. For the sake of simplicity, I shall henceforth identify Cunningham's Book of Shadows as CBOS and Buckland's Complete Book of Witchcraft as BCBOW. Note, in this audio version, I shall be saying the complete names. Amusingly, Cunningham's Book of Shadows contains a short reference and name drop of Aleister Crowley on page 9 of the hardcover edition. The Gardnerian Book of Shadows, as published, contains little in the form of outright theology beyond that which is implied by rituals and invocations, but we do find some at the start of the Cunningham Book of Shadows. We get a neat little creation myth called Before Time Was. This description of this creation myth is much more straightforward, but essentially parallels the first and sixth poems from Lieber 333. The first entity mentioned is that of the Drayton. It is described being all-knowing, all-pervading, all-powerful, changeless, and eternal. Then the Drayton splits into twin forms, the goddess and god, who are described as alone, solitary, save for the Drayton. There is a direct parallel to this in Lieber 333. The Abyss. The word is broken up. There is knowledge. Knowledge is relation. These fragments are creation. The broken manifests light. The second triad, which is God. God the Father and the Mother is concealed in the generation. God is concealed in the whirling energy of nature. God is manifest in gathering, harmony, consideration, the mirror of the sun and of the heart. Then we have a description of the goddess and god forming the universe. Again, we can look at Libra 333 for parallels. The word was uttered. The one exploded into one thousand million worlds. Each world contained a thousand million spheres. Each sphere contained a thousand million planes. Each plane contained a thousand million stars. Each star contained a many thousand million things. The parallels should be obvious. I will also amusingly note this line. The goddess chose the moon as her living symbol, and the god chose the sun as his living symbol to remind the inhabitants of Earth of their fashioners. Cunningham, Book of Shadows. Parallels this line of Lever 220. For he is ever a sun and she a moon, but to him is the winged sinker flame, and to her the stooping starlight. Lever 220, Chapter 1, Verse 16. Both of these comes from the further upstream in the Hermetic Current to the Emerald Tablet of Hermes Trismegistus itself. Its father is the sun, and its mother is the moon. Emerald Tablet of Hermes Trismegistus, Jabir Ian Hayan Translation. Image A section of the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, depicting the Sephiroth Kether, the crown, 
Chukma, wisdom, Bina, understanding, and Da'ath, knowledge, which is semi-cut off by the cropping. It also depicts the pathways that connect them and their associated symbols, and behind is the pillars of Justin and Boaz, labeled with a plus and a minus. Also is found the spheres Ein Sof R, limitless light, and Ein Sof, limitless. So now down to the part where things get interesting. The Dryton, the god, and the goddess all have direct corollaries on the tree of life, the supernal Sephirot, Keter, Chokmah, and Binah. Check out the diagram above, which I described. There are the first three emanations of the godhead. The initial state of the Dryton was without form, but after the split, the two were formed from that one, and yet one remained, but having split it was no longer the all and therefore was not unlike the other two it split and its nature was changed but its essence remained the sephirot of keter is the primary source for the rest of the tree and ultimately creation just like the Dryton is the primary source behind god and the goddess Hokma is astrologically associated with the planet uranus and bina with saturn keter is associated with neptune the god and goddess are not limited to just those aspects, though. They embody the entirety of the concept of the divine. So rather than being limited to those particular sephirot, they would also fit the entirety of the pillars Jeshin and Boaz. Image. A crop image depicting the pillar Boaz of the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, depicting the sephirot Benah, understanding, Geborah, severity, and hoed glory, as well as the pathways that connect them and their associated symbols. As before, the pillar of gestion is marked with the symbol of the minus. At the bottom of the pillar is the label Boaz, the pillar of severity. Boaz is the pillar of severity and represented as being black. Not only is Benah found there as Saturn, but also is Geburah as Mars and hoed as Mercury. Image a cropping of the Kabbalistic Tree of Life depicting the pillar of Jeshen. Depicted are the Sephiroth, Chokmah, Wisdom, Hesed, Mercury, and Netzach, Victory, as well as the connecting pathways between them and their associated symbols. As before, the pillar of Jeshen is marked with a plus sign, and at the base of the pillar is the word Jeshen, the pillar of mercy. In much the same way, the pillar Jeshen is associated with the goddess. Jeshen is the pillar of mercy. Not only does it include Chokmah as Uranus, but also Chesed as Jupiter and Netzach as Venus. The implications of this association is that should Wiccans come to grips with this concept, then their magic can be expanded to include more aspects of the Kabbalah as well. If you associated the god and goddess with Boaz and Jeshen, then any correspondences of any of their associated sephirot found in the tables of 777 could be used in ritual related to them. Additionally, it opens the door to Gematria as well as the Kabbalistic concepts of the tarot, adding an entirely new layer to their reading, which may well be an article topic for the future. Additionally, it adds an extra layer to their pentagram ritual, Casting Circle, also called Calling Quarters. 
Understanding that this ritual is a blend of the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram and the opening by watch power found in the Enochian material could add an entirely new layer of meaning to this ritual and others. Of course, Wiccans can go ahead and ignore all this and keep the Kabbalistic correspondence as implied rather than stated, but understanding it opens the gateway for Wiccans to see where they stand in the larger occult milieu. In conclusion, Wicca is uniquely positioned in its relationship because it wears a pagan costume but dances the ceremonial magic dance. It's a new Aeon religion focused on reimagining versions of old Aeon practices, beliefs, and rituals, some of these from the Aeon of Osiris and some from the Aeon of Isis. It's been said many times that Wiccans are seen as making it up as they go along and being not well read on the subject of magic, while Thelemites are characterized as being haughty, elitist, and overstudious. Neither category serves either well. There are pretentious Wiccans and well-read ones, just as there are kind, welcoming Thelemites and self-righteous ones. In any case, it is my hope that the schism between the two paths can be mended and Wiccans grow to respect the Lima and especially the Kabbalah and Thelemic texts, and Thelemites in turn recognize the validity and pedigree of their practice and rituals. Love is the law, love under will. Thank you for listening to Butterflies and Incantations. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow me on social media. This is Vanessa, reminding you that magic is everywhere. You only have to know where to look.